0: All right. Praise the Lord. So we'll have a progress video the next time of everything we're doing and what's going on. Uh, Tonight, let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 9, and uh, we'll begin reading there in a little bit at verse 3. So tonight, for everybody that is here, uh, you know, we want to do a lot of things tonight. We want to pray for you, we want to minister to you, we want to we want to do a lot of stuff, so I'm gonna give you as much as I can of the preaching and then <laughs> we'll flow in the other things as well. I apologize for lying to you again. Um, <laughs> that, you know, 7.30, but I, I, I was thinking it was at six o'clock the service, so that was my excuse for that lie. But uh, but so we go up to eight, and by the grace of God. Okay, so. Let's talk about this. We're talking about the uh, identity healing that each one of us has to go through. So, when you uh, are born and you begin to live your life, depending on what kind of family you had, and what kind of father or mother you had, or what kind of brothers and sisters you had, and the environment you grew up in, and all the other factors that go into that, something began to happen to you as a person when you were small. And that growing up period, and then you go into school, and then depending on the kind of school you went to and the kind of students that were in the school and how they treated you, there you have a whole nother entire jungle of butchers. And so you're basically just going from butcher to butcher. Uh, Because, you know, you don't go to school and have a bunch of spirit-filled, holy ghost, God, Bible-talking people. That includes Christian schools. You don't have that. And I say that because I put my children through Christian schools, I'm just not making it up. So your identity is who you are and who you are to yourself. And really, you can't help anybody if you look at yourself in one of two ways. One, you're worthless. And two, you're really amazing. Either way. If you think you're really amazing without God, then you're all messed up. And if you think you're no good, worthless, and of no value in your life with God, then of course you can't help anybody. So as you're growing up, you start getting your identity butchered. And so right away, if you have an abusive father, an abusive mother, if you have abusive brothers and sisters, verbally abusive, physically abusive, and in all the different ways that they might be abusive, that is bringing damage into your identity, the way you see yourself, the actual limitations you put on your own life, what you say you're able to do because of all of those things that happen to you. So at some point, you have to fall into the hands of God, the healing hands of God, and he has to heal your identity. Jesus was very clear about who he was. There was no confusion in Jesus's life. He had 30 years of obscurity and invisible living, for, except for one event at the age of 12. And in that event, Jesus, at 12 years old, is already in the temple. And he's preaching and teaching and ministering to all of the rabbis. And everybody's at awe, and they're totally freaked out because they've never heard a 12-year-old know more than they do. But then when they found him, his parents found him, he says to them these amazing words, I must be about my father's business. So we know that by the age of 12, Jesus knew he was God. This is a very big thing to know. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, this can really affect your ego. It can really, like, blow up your pride. It can really destroy basically everything. Because sometimes the good things God has for you, when they are not properly managed by humility, they actually become a curse instead of a blessing. It's like getting victory. Sometimes your victories become the field and the garden of your greatest defeat. Because when you get victory, you slack up, loosen up, you have no more enemies, you don't have to be on the alert, you kind of relax, and then all of the personal gratifications of the flesh... Begin to take over because there's no enemy to war against or fight against. And then, like it says in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 25, I blessed you with houses you did not build, vineyards you did not plant, olive trees you did not sow, springs, pools, and fountains that you did not dig, and you reveled in my goodness, grew fat, and forgot me. Very powerful. So when you're looking at the Bible and you're looking at yourself, you are limited by your own view of yourself. Your perception of who you are is creating the reality that you're living in. And so God's job through the power of the Holy Spirit is to change our perception of ourselves, not to make us conceited and say, oh, I love myself in a conceited way, but to say, I love myself in the fact of what God is doing in my life and the changes he's brought about in my life and the victories that I've gotten through God, and to God be the glory and all the praise goes to God. Because until you stop being that person that you don't like, you're never going to be able to help anybody. You can't help people from a crippled position. You can only help people from a restored and miraculous position. Praise the Lord. And so so tonight is all about your identity and the impossibleness of you doing anything for God ever if you don't get the identity of God. Jesus said some very powerful things about himself. He said, I am the light of the world. That's a very heavy-duty thing to say. He said, I and the Father are one. That is a very powerful thing to say. Jesus said, I am the bread of life, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the door. He lists all these I am's that at some point in those 30 years, he gathered from his relationship to his father. As you will, as you will. When I first got saved, I could not talk in front of people this was one of the curses Satan had put on me as a little child. Through experiences that I had in school and other situations that were humiliating and embarrassing, I became extremely introverted and very shy. And so in order for God to make me a preacher, it had to take a miracle of how I saw myself. Praise God. Now, most people a lot of times get their identity of who they are by what they do. And if you're putting all your identity results on what you do, you're going to really mess up yourself. Because remember, what bad things you do are all temporary and all have an expiration date. As long as you walk with God, whatever that bad thing is in you, it will die out. It will literally die out. There will be a day where you simply are not like that. There'll be a day when you simply don't think like that. There'll be a day where that hindrance of being shy or that hindrance of being hurt or that hindrance of being uh, ashamed or guilty or afraid will simply not exist. If you keep walking with Jesus every day, all day, every day, all of those things that Satan did, which are called his fingerprints, on your personality, on your heart will be erased. All of them. I have been doing this for, this is 51 years now. I'm telling you that since 1972, God has been erasing Satan's fingerprints off of my soul. Praise God. Now look at somebody and say, that's what's going to happen to me. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, there is a reason why you're crazy. It's not an accident, and you don't have to blame yourself. You're just nuts because you were raised in a tornado, and you were twisted and broken and lied to and all the other things that happened, and a lot of damage took place. But Jesus did not have that problem. When he came to be the Savior of the world, he had to know that he was, and remember, when they came to get him in the garden, all he said was, I am. And then everybody fell back. The power of God, who he was, came out of his mouth. I am. And then all the things that Jesus did that nobody ever had done before, walking on water, walking through walls, raising the dead, cleansing the leper, opening the eyes of the blind, healing the deaf, a twisting twisted arms, straightening out arms, every imaginable miracle telling the weather to stop and change. Because he had to know who he was. By In those 30 years of being in a secret desert life of him and God, God imparted and all the things that he learned, he had totally been convinced and was totally convinced of who he was. Praise God. He said some very, par- I am the resurrection, and the life. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, that, that, is, that is a powerful thing. And so today, a, a lot of us can't say anything. Like, good, sometimes, you know, you can't say. I mean, think about how many times you criticize yourself during a day. Think about how many times you've been in your truck or your car and just called yourself names. Oh, you're so stupid. You're so stupid. Or other things like that. Uh, Maybe none of you here because you're all holy and perfect, but I'm talking about (laughs) other people in Uganda. But understand that, that there is a lot of transforming that has to go on. This is a life of transformation. The only way you know you're walking with God is that there are continual and consistent transformations taking place. 2 Corinthians 3.18, beholding in a mirror the glory of God, we are transformed from glory to glory into God's image. Praise the Lord. God's what? In other words, God's goal is to make me and you act like Jesus and look like Jesus. Praise the Lord. That's his goal. So if you want to know what the purpose is of you being alive, it's to act like Jesus And look like Jesus. Praise the Lord. Remember that the disciples, when Jesus was being betrayed, and they were rounding up everybody, uh, the way that they knew Peter belonged to Jesus was the way they talked. Jesus had trained them in divine language. So they spoke differently than lost preachers spoke and the Pharisees spoke. And, and all those people, they didn't speak with faith. They didn't speak with love. They didn't speak with revelation. So when they heard them talk, they said, we know who you belong to because of the way you talk. Peter. And then Peter switched and started cussing. Read it. Right then, he just switched. And it says he started cussing. Oh, okay, yeah, you know, one of them, they wouldn't do that. And then he denied Jesus, of course, three times, and you know the whole story on that. But I want you to think of that today because you're right there, sitting there, the product of your life and the particular uh, parts of Satan that were in the people that had access to you. Satan has been ministering to you since you came out of the womb. Because the first event that happened to you, within the first three or four seconds, they flipped you upside down and whipped your Bahalanga Dunga Dingi. <laughs> Isn't that right? Now, I don't know if they still do that today, but in the old days, they flipped you upside down and slapped you. They slapped me because I was like purple or blue or something to your scream. I mean, that's old fashioned medicine. I don't know if they still do that today. Be honest with you. I don't remember them slapping my children when they were coming out, but I I don't, I don't know. Maybe so. But what I'm saying to you is then you you start getting, you know, you go to people who have no no healer. You go into a family with no restoration. You go into a family with no miraculous people. All of them are wounded, and they're bleeding all over the place, and they're infected with all the pain that their parents brought into their life, and if they didn't have parents, all the strangers that had access to them when they were little children and had no ability to defend themselves or protect themselves, and they started getting chewed on since they were little, or they were raised by people that were so messed up inside that they were Dangerous, actually, dangerous parents, dangerous people, verbally and physically and emotionally and all the different ways. And so the Holy Spirit then at some point has rescued you where you gave your life to Jesus, and now you've got to decide, do I stay who I am? And if you are going to do that, if you're going to stay who you are, what good are you to anybody? All right. This is my question. What good are you doing for anyone And if you're an older person, which I respect and honor you, but I also want to tell you the truth, if you're an older person and have served God for 30, 40, and 50 years, why are you not doing something? Don't get offended at me. I'm 68, so I'm in the category. But what I'm saying is, why aren't you doing something? If you've walked with God for 30 years or 40 years or 50 years, you know, the older the fiddle the sweeter the sound so there is going to be a resurrection of the ministry of seniors in the body of Christ because they have retired not just from their jobs they have retired from life and this is not okay with God it's not okay to do it please don't get mad at me but it's not okay the bible says you shall steer still bear fruit in your old age somebody said to me here a ways back well, are you uh, going to be retiring i said what the heck are you talking about retiring it's taken god 50 years to just get me where i can say anything i said no never i will never ever 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 do that ever I'm having too much fun. There are thousands of people getting saved every year, thousands getting baptized in the Holy Spirit, and innumerable amounts of people getting saved, healed, enlightened, and everything else. Why would I retire? To what? What is the retirement to? TV? (laughs) Sitting down and getting bigger and bigger and bigger and developing diseases? No. No, don't ever do that. Don't ever do that. There's room for you in God's kingdom. And he's got a job for you as long as you're breathing. Unless you're so lazy and so selfish that you don't care about anyone else on earth but yourself. That's different. Don't get mad at me because I'm not feeling the love on that right there, praise God. I got a little bit of boom, boom, boom going on. So let's forgive me right away. Okay, so You know, and so in everything that we're saying, it's 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 very important to know what we're doing tonight. This is a healing service for your identity. Who told you what you believe about yourself? Who was that person? Was that Jesus, or was that an angry father, or an angry mother? an angry husband, an angry wife, angry friends, who cussed you out first? Who's the person that looked at you with disapproving looks, judgmental looks, and disgust? Who is that? Because they didn't have the right to do it. God would never tell a parent to look at its child under any circumstances with disgust and hatred, or to yell at a child, to raise your voice at a child. That is so wrong. I have never done that, my wife has never done that. I'm never gonna do that. That's not something you do to your children. They are tender, even though they are flawed, as they are growing through their things to become who God wants them to become. Praise the Lord. And you can verify that fact by asking one of my children. Praise the Lord. So Jesus knew who he was, and because he knew who he he was, he knew his destiny and his purpose and his assignment and his mission. So if you don't know who you are, you will not know what your mission is, what your purpose is, and what your assignment is. You have to learn who you are so you can find out what God wants you to do. Once you know what God wants you to do, then you also know what to aim at what to pursue, and what areas to get educated in. And then you educate yourself, perfect your gifts, sharpen them, make them sharp, and then you operate in the area that God has told you you're supposed to be. Praise the Lord. All right, look at two or three people and say, that's what I'm talking about. So let's read 2 Samuel chapter 9. Verses 3 through 13. And the king said, is there not anyone in the house of Saul? This is David talking, that I may show kindness to. And Seba said unto him, Jonathan has yet a son, which is lame in his feet. And the king said unto him, where is he? And Seba said unto him, behold, he's in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel." in Lodabar. If you go to that word, Lodabar, and study it out, it's the place of emptiness, desolation, and hopelessness. Then King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Machir, the son of Emile from Lodabar. Now, when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was coming to David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake. And I'll restore you all the land of Saul, your father. And you shall eat bread at my table continually. And he bowed himself and said, Here it is. Here is what he thinks. What is thy servant? That thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am. Here is a prince, the son of a king, and the son of a prince, but the way he sees himself because he's crippled is I am a dead dog. Satan's job, your whole life, is to convince you that you are all your weaknesses, all your failures. All your mistakes, all your sin, and all the bad things about you, you do not like. It's his job to preach to you every day and convince you, you are that cusser, you are that fornicator, you are that adulterer, you are that molester, you are that uh, homosexual, you are that this, you are that that. His job is to convince you that the sins you have committed, that is your identity. And as long as you believe those lies, you're just going to sit in church until you die. And you will never rise to the level of your potential and your greatness. Can you say this out loud? I have amazing potential. And I am supposed to be great in God. Praise the Lord. All right, go ahead and hug two or three people. Ask them for a little bit of money or whatever. Maybe you could say, would you give me your car? Perhaps you would give me your house. Anything. Just help me out a little bit. So, in a minute, we're going to go through the healing of the pieces of Satan and the forms that they take, and we're going to heal those tonight. Praise the Lord. Anybody have a fly swatter? Because that fly is really bugging me. Okay, so... That is something we want to do tonight. Jesus said it over and over and over and over, who he was, over and over and over. He said what he came for, over and over and over. He said what his mission was, over and over and over. He said who he was to his father. He said, my father loves me. That's one of the things Jesus said, (laughs) my father loves me. He said, I don't do anything unless I see my father do it. I don't say anything unless I hear my father say it. That's what you call a real relationship with an invisible God. Like every move he's making, the father's telling him what to do. And, and Hebrews 5, 7, Jesus learned obedience through the things which he suffered. We don't even know the suffering Jesus went through in those 30 years, but it taught him to obey. However you explain that, I don't know. But all I know is Jesus had to learn things, and he learned how to obey God in the way that that God wanted him to. That is very powerful. Don't let what you think about yourself stand in the way of what you should become. Don't let what other people think about you, and they might have the right to do it, get in the way of what God wants to do with your life. Because, ladies and gentlemen, you are a dead dog if you believe those things. Praise the Lord. Let's take a praise break. Everybody just start praising God and say, glory to Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Say it out loud. Thank you, God. I want to be everything you want me to be, Jesus. Well, here is Mephibosheth, and he doesn't think much of himself because he's crippled. He was dropped in the king's house, it said, by a maid, and he was a cripple from that day forward. So he couldn't do anything. He was dysfunctional, and he had to be carried everywhere. And this made him believe that what he had in his legs defined who he was as a person. I can tell you that if you let your sins define who you are, you will never do what you were born to do. You have got to defy your failure. You have got to defy your sins and weaknesses and let the wind of God come in and heal and restore you. Just keep walking with Jesus. Take Pastor Robert's discipleship course. (laughs) Take that one-day course and just do it. And you will literally go from week to week, month to month, year to year, becoming a completely different human being. Praise the Lord. So, Psalm 139. For you did for me my inward parts. God made you. You did cover me in my mother's wombs, womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Everybody said, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are all your works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and woven together with the colors of redemption and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes did see my unformed substance and in thy book were all written, even all the days of my life that you have ordained for me. For as yet there was none of them how precious also are your thoughts unto me, O God. Great is the sum of them. If I were to count them, they are more in number than the sands of the sea. Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand for that because that's what he thinks about you. That's a pathetic clap, so let's give him a little bit better than that. Praise God. That's kind of a half a sleep clap. So. You look in the Bible and you see people that had these identity problems and how it messed up their life. When you don't think much of yourself, let's say you're a woman, and you don't think much of yourself, you will allow men to treat you badly. And when you don't think much of yourself, you as a man will allow yourself to treat people badly. People don't cuss each other out on the highway because they see that they're wonderful. They don't have fights in the middle of the road because they're so blessed by who God has made them. They don't go around, you know, throwing the finger at each other and all the stuff every day. And divorcing each other right and left and having affairs and all that because they're at peace with who God has made them. You know, all of those things leave your life when you're at peace with yourself because your searching ends when you find yourself. Praise the Lord. Now, let's say that after I said those things, some of you feel guilty. And, oh, yeah, I've let people treat you, man, okay. So that's another one of your problems because you don't see yourself correctly. You're always feeling guilty and ashamed. That needs to end today. Yes. Praise the Lord. Yes, but you don't know what I did last week. I lost my mind and threw stuff at my husband. Repent. Yes. Hopefully it won't happen again. Praise the Lord. Tell your husband, if I start escalating, run. (laughs) Till I'm free from this. (laughs) Anyway. So here are people who had identity problems, and because of that, they could not serve God. You can't serve God if you think God thinks bad about you. That's why God says, when I forgive you, I don't just forgive you. I actually forget what you did because God doesn't want you to think that he's still seeing the things you did 10 years ago, 15 years ago, or at any time of your life that you're ashamed of. You're ashamed you did that. You're ashamed you acted that way. And so when you repent, God doesn't just, okay, I forgive you, but I got it here. Next time you blow it, I'm going to bring this up. That's Satan. And people who do that they're not in the flows of the love of God. Right. Bringing the past up in someone's life after they've changed and repented is not okay. You want God to do that to you? And, and how many years back are you going to bring it up? Just last year's problems or maybe two years ago? Why don't you go for 20 or 30? Let me bring 40 years of your failures back because I have them all recorded and memorized in my mind and let me recite them for the next hour to prove to you that you're a worthless dog. Do you see how Satan gets in the family? How Satan gets in your marriage? How Satan gets on you? These are pieces of him. And they're getting in there. Okay? Peter had a problem. When he saw Jesus on the boat, it says he fell on his face. He was naked, actually. It says he fell on his face. said, get away from me. I am a sinner. Then he betrayed Jesus, went away weeping bitterly. And at some point, when he got baptized in the Holy Ghost, or at some point, Peter got right with God. And then he became the Peter. The amazing Peter, 3,000 got saved when he preached on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2, verse 17. Think about that. Look at somebody right now and say, you're becoming better looking right now. You see, preaching doesn't help if you're not planning on some radical revolutionary changes taking place when you hear a message. If you're just here and you don't even know why, maybe you're just being nice because I invited you and thank you for that. But if you're not expecting a revolutionary change to take place when you hear Pastor Robert or any other of the the men that preach or women that preach here in the church, you're doing yourself no good. What does it say in Hebrews? The word they preached did not profit them because it was not mixed with faith. Hebrews 5. Think about that. Praise the Lord. Because I'm going to take you through some healing here in a minute. But you need to understand that it's not wrong to think that you're really amazing. If that amazing is based on the Jesus inside you, not on your pride, ego, and vanity. You don't have to walk around like a rooster. To know that you're somebody in God. Because the true sign of knowing you're somebody is complete and total humility and serving of people, washing their feet and treating them as if they are better than you. That's what Philippians 2 says. He humbled himself and emptied himself of all the divinity rights and became a servant. John 13, he then took a towel and began to wash the dirty feet of his disciples and say, I, your master, wash your feet so you'll know how I want you to behave while you're here on earth. Never exalt yourself above another human being. Serve them, wash them, clean them, love them, disciple them win them, train them, and set them free. Praise the Lord. Every one of you should have disciples as you grow wiser and wiser and wiser. You're a baby, then you're a son or a daughter, then you're a father or a mother. That's the progression of maturity. It's for everyone. And the older you get, the more people should be able to trust you, like the church to not do something crazy and teach something crazy. Well, the Lord told me I was the 13th angel of the church. My real name is Bugs Bunny. <laughs> but the pastor doesn't really have a witness about it. Really. Peter had an issue. Gideon had an issue. God's calling Gideon. He said, what are you doing? No, 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 not me. Moses had an issue. He stuttered. He said, I'm I'm slow of speech. And if you look at it, it means he had a stuttering problem. So Aaron did the talking. He said, not me. I can't talk. I'm not an orator. I'm a warrior. I can kill people. (laughs) Cain had a problem. He wasn't content with what God had done for him and who God had made him. And so he went into murder because people who realize one day I can never stop who I am become the murderers and the serial killers and all the other terrible things. And you can never do that as a Christian. You can never say this sin has got me beat. You can never say that. You keep bringing it to the cross It will lose its power, and it will be defeated, and you will win. It doesn't matter if you've been an alcoholic for 40 years or 50 years or a drug addict, or you've been sleeping around a 100 times and done this and done that. You just keep bringing it to the cross. You keep bringing it to Jesus. You get around godly people, righteous people, holy people, and they'll tear it off you, rip it off you, preach it off you, pray it off you, sing it off you, cast it out, cast it in, cast it up, cast it around. But either way, you will get delivered. Praise God. You just got to be at the right place at the right time around the right people. Samson had a problem. He was the strongest man alive and he could kill a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. But he loved sinning, he loved prostitutes and he liked getting high and getting drunk. And it cost him his vision, his ministry, and everything because he wouldn't bring it to God. You only have one enemy, and that's your refusal as a free will person to bring your problems to God. All right. That's the only problem you got. Yeah. If you can say one day, I got this problem and I'm bringing it to God. I can't handle it alone. I need help. What a smart person you are. Find godly people who don't have that problem or have had it and overcome it and say, show me how, because I don't know how, and then they'll tell you how they did it, and they can say, I was just like you, but I've been free for 30 years. I'll show you how I did it. Praise the Lord. Let's take a praise break again, everybody. Come on, praise God a little bit and say, praise the Lord, because I'm laying a lot of stuff on you, but I want you to think about it. You have the prodigal son. The same problem happened to him when he ended up sleeping with pigs and eating pig food until he said, I'm going home. And it says his, his senses came back. The woman at the well, five husbands searching everywhere, can't find anything. Her identity is destroyed. Jesus built it up in one encounter. One encounter with Jesus and five husbands were all healed. No, no. Five plus the one she's living with that she didn't even bother to marry. And who knows how many in between. But in one encounter with Jesus, all of it was healed. He said, if you drink the water I'm ready to give you, you'll never be thirsty again. Because he knew this is a thirsty woman. She's thirsting for what? Love. So she goes from man to man to man to man, searching for love. She doesn't realize that the reason she wants love that bad is she was created by God to have such a high-level ministry of love. But instead of looking to God to get her love, she went and looked to men. And they violated her soul. And Jesus gave it all back to her in one encounter. I'm telling you, no matter what anybody has done to you, all you need... It's one encounter with the real Jesus. Praise the Lord. Now, you may need a lot of time to be educated, prepare and learn, be mentored and taught. But to be healed in your heart, sometimes it only takes one encounter. Praise the Lord. All right, look at somebody and say, wow, glory to God, I love this stuff. Then you look at people who had the identity of God, such as Esther and Joseph and Daniel and Joshua and Caleb. Praise the Lord. And then when you look at what Jesus says about us, 2 Corinthians 5.17, If any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. Say it out loud. I'm a new creature. Old things are passed away and everything has become new. 1 Peter 2.9, you are an elect race, a holy priesthood, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and a people for God's own possession. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has ordained before the foundation of the world. Ephesians 4.22-24, that you put away as concerning your former manner of life, the old man... That waxes corrupt after the lusts of deceit and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new man that after God hath been created in righteousness and holiness and truth. That's who you are. Colossians 3.3, 3, set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are upon this earth. For you died and are and your life is hid with Christ in God. Praise the Lord. That's a lot of good stuff. All right. Now I'm going to ask Laura to come up to the piano if you would, Miss Laura. Thank you. Now, uh, let's go through the healings that we need to go through and let's talk about these pieces of Satan that were in people as you were growing up and how they have damaged you and if you don't go through the healings then it's very difficult to treat people well. Why do people have a hard time loving God sometimes? Like for example, have you ever noticed why it's hard for some some of you at some point to lift your hands? Like you were like, I don't get that. But if your team wins the Super Bowl, you get that. And if you bet money and won money, you really get that. Your arms go up. That's a sign of victory. It's also a sign of surrender. So when you lift your hands, you're letting God and the world know. I belong to you and I surrender to you and I take your victories as mine. Praise the Lord. I lift your hands high into the air and say I will bless thee as long as I live. I will lift up my hands and remember your loving kindness all the days of my life and thus will I bless thee I will lift up these holy hands and bless the Lord all the days of my life. Praise the Lord. Look at the person behind you and say, I will always lift my hands. Because remember, this is a sign of victory and surrender. Now, don't feel judged when I say you shouldn't Just sit there, don't feel judged, just feel encouraged to change. Why would I say that? That's none of my business. Oh, yeah, it is my business. Anything in the Bible is my business. And you will be better off if you open yourself up to God. And whatever makes you open up. You can lift your hands you can pray you can do this you can do that you can do whatever you want to do but you're in a midst of a relationship that requires your full undivided attention in order for rain to come down look up to heaven everybody and say come on rain say it. come on rain come and fall on my family say to him say lord open the windows now of heaven And let the rain of heaven fall down on my family and on my children and on my home. Praise the Lord. So there are nine identity destroyers that we're going to minister to you about. The first one is the wolf because Satan is a wolf. And the Bible says specifically In Matthew 7 15 watch out for false prophets for they come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly they are ferocious wolves praise the Lord so these are the hunters of your life that entered your life they are the predators that entered some of your lives these are the ones that brought abuse into your life sexual abuse How many people in this world have been assaulted sexually by a member of their own family? We have an orphanage full of them. Can you imagine hurting a child in that way? A little child, hurting a little child, a full-grown man, and the father of that child, the grandfather of that child, the brother of that child. But that happened to some of you. Or taking your fists. And beating your own wife and knocking her out in front of your children and then beating them. These are predators. They hunt for the souls of the weak and innocent. Or what all of the sex trade does to women and men. They literally use them up until they die of a disease are thrown into an alley because there are no more value. These are predators. And then there's those that collect these children. They collect them and sell them. Sell the children, sell the women, sell the men, sell the, men, sell the boys. These are predators. And some of those predators have been in your life some of you have experienced violence in your home you've watched people actually fight each other in your home this is not going to go away so the wolf that is in people sometimes those people also are Christians. They know the Christian doctrines and they operate in church. In a church one time when I was pastoring, uh, there was a man there and he had been pursuing one of my worship leaders, uh, a mother who was divorced. and She had about four children and he was pursuing her. One day, the Holy Spirit told me something bad had happened, so I asked her point blank, and she just broke down. I said, with that man that's in there? So I went to the man, I say, I need you to get out of my building right now. Don't you ever come back to this church, don't approach this woman ever again. And I was in the flesh, but with the spirit words, but my insides were in the flesh. I was saying all the right words just from training but I was shaking from rage and I was hoping he would say something so I could just go to jail (laughs) you know I wish I was godlier at that point but that's where I was he said fine I'll find another one I said what are you talking about he said I go to church and find women that's where I find them I know exactly what to tell them. I'll pray with them. I'll do a little Bible study with them. I'll give them, take them out, treat them nice, and slowly but surely, I'll get them where I want them because they're full of holes. That's what he told me. Predators. If you have been the victim of a predator, we're going to pray for you right now. Someone who entered your life and hunted you in some way, abused you. And if you haven't had that happen, then pray for those that have as we pray right now. Everybody put your hands on your heart and let's say these words out loud. Dear God, I receive healing from every predatory person that has hunted my life to destroy it. In the name of Jesus, all abusers, all murderers, everyone that violates people, I forgive them in the name of Jesus. And I receive healing from their behavior and the damage they caused in my life. In Jesus' name, I hand you this piece of my soul and I remove the predators from my memory, from my dreams, and from my mind and soul. In the name of Jesus, I will be free. Now I want you to turn to a few people, extend your hand that way, and say, be blessed and be healed. Say that to a few people. Not just yourself, say it to a few people. Say, be blessed and be healed. This could be your own father. For me, it was my father. But he didn't do anything to me, he just left. But think about it. Whoever that is, there's gonna be a healing now in that part of you. I have severed your connection to your assaulting abusers. I have severed that connection. And you are no longer one with them in the flesh. That is broken now, and you are free not to have those demons attached to you. Because they gave you demons. But I have severed those demons from you, and the power of those demons, and the authority of those demons, and they are broken off you for the rest of your life. Come on. Say, they are broken off me in the name of Jesus. Say it out loud. They are broken off me. Broken off me completely in the name of Jesus. I I am not the victim of a predator. We have to get those orphans to scream this out and shout it out. And this secondly, Genesis 3 verse 1 through 4 and also Psalm 91 13. But this is what it says. The serpent was more crafty than any of the beasts of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say you must eat from any tree in the garden? The woman answered the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but not. But about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, you must not eat of it or touch it or you will die. You know the rest of the story. And this is the wounds that come from the snake. Because the job of the snakes that entered your life, that have the personality of a deceiver, a liar, a usurper, a person that feeds you false information to get a particular result as you watch on TV all day, every day. Those are snakes talking to you. They have poison and they have venom and they will make you bitter and they will make you resentful because you are filled with the venom of being deceived by someone and it is the worst feeling in the world to wake up one day and realize you have been deceived and all the deceivers fall into this category of a, of the snake the piece of satan which is a snake this is every false religion that goes contrary to the bible all atheists that believe it for whatever reasons all agnostics every religion that is false and cannot get people to heaven is created by started by and formed by satan it is satan the number one evangelist in earth is satan he's the number one evangelist no one even comes close to him And what is he labeled as by God? The father of lies. Anything you ever get from Satan, you go into partnership with him in any area and anything you get from Satan, it is going to lead you to death and poverty and bondage and slavery. You have been poisoned by certain ideas about God. There are many good people saying things that are not true and deceiving people. You tell a person from a pulpit that God does not heal people, you are hurting those people. You are tying the hands of God in their mind and you are deceiving them. And there's no way around it. You tell a person that they can do any sin they want and live any way they want and still go to heaven, you are hurting those people. You are deceiving those people because nowhere in the Bible can you find that teaching. It is a doctrine of demons to lead people into sin because what is the number one desire of every sinful heart? To sin as much as you want and get all the blessings of God. That is the number one desire of the sinful, deceitful heart. Praise the Lord. Don't get mad at me. I'm not preaching hell, fire, and brimstone just yet. (laughs) Praise God. Look at somebody and say, wow, I was expecting something more, you know. Venom. Venom. This is unforgiveness. It develops when you've been deceived and lied to. This is the snake. He's in women and men that gossip. When you gossip and and hurt someone's reputation, you are practicing the language of Satan and hurting those people. And you could, the Bible says, a gossip can even separate close friends. I have actually had that happen to me. Three times that's happened to me. And do you know what I did? I chased those people down. I called the people they lied to, and I made the connection, and they freaked out. Because I said, I'm not about to lose my friendship with you after all these years because of a lie. And I said, okay, did I say that? No. Did I mention that? No. Why did you say it? Well, I just felt maybe that's what you felt. And then my, my friend, on all three occasions, I retrieved all my friends. Because I said, I'm not gonna lose them because of a gossip. Lying about something I never said nor thought about them. As if it's, I would talk about my friends badly. No way. I will overpraise, but I'm never going to underpraise. Now I've gossiped like everybody else. I've accused people. When you get mad, you lose all of Jesus. Pretty much, Jesus goes out the window, and whatever's in there is coming out. You know, and you just got to stop it. But as the years go by, you get better, and those things don't happen anymore. Praise God, because you've got experiences on what happens when you do it. And it's all bad. And you say, no, I don't think I'm going there. So put your hands on your heart. And let's kill the venom. Let's dry up the poison that anyone has ever given you by verbally abusing you. Verbally calling you names and verbally telling you things about yourself that are not right and are not true. Verbally telling you that you're no good and verbally telling you that you're worthless and verbally telling you that you are a loser are ugly names that I can't mention in church. Put your hands there. In the name of Jesus, I sever the mouth of the snake from speaking to me. I cut it off with the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I do not receive any poison from anyone's tongue, whether it was when I was little or at any point in my life. I now dismiss all the accusations, all the criticisms, all the false finding that damage me. And I embrace the love of God for me in the name of Jesus. Say, I no longer will drink that poison even from my own self. In Jesus' name. Now wave your hand to a few people and say, be blessed and be healed from the snakes in your life. In the name of Jesus. Are you with me so far? In Genesis 15:11, the Bible says that the vultures went after the dead carcass that Abraham had laid out as a sacrifice. Those vultures went in and were eating it. And it says Abraham ran at the birds and scattered them away. That's the ministry of deliverance. And vultures are people that have entered your life with pieces of Satan in them that actually want to pick at you and take pieces of you out of you to lead you into places of death. And as you know, vultures only eat dead things. And the vultures will gather They'll gather around your life in an area of your life where you have stopped following God. They'll start circling. The way you stop a vulture is by lighting a fire under your halahala and get going. Because as soon as they detect movement, they're out of there. Praise God. So how do you get rid of the vultures, which is a piece of Satan, a scavenger? What does this mean? It means evil spirits and people will find where you are not following God and become your friend in that area. They'll say, oh, I see you're drinking. Yeah, let's go out and and get some, some drinks. They're a vulture. They don't even know it, but they've just attached themselves to your dead spot. And they're going to feed it. Not on purpose and sometimes not viciously, but simply by being slaves of their Adamic nature or the piece of the vulture that's inside them. They'll say, I don't know why you go to church so much. Let's go partying. Drink a little whiskey. You've always liked it. It's not a big deal. Those vultures will find your dead spots where you're not serving God, and they'll take you a little bit further and a little bit further until you finally wake up and you're so far away from God, you don't know how you got there. How many people have you heard or have you even done where you said, how did we get here? How did we get to this place? Put your hand on your heart and say, I scatter all the vulture friends and all the vulture people out of my life. I'm not going to get picked apart piece by piece by entering things and doing things that I have already been delivered from. Say it out loud. I'm not going back. I'm going forward. Say it out loud to everybody around you. I'm not going back. I'm going forward. Come on, everybody. Say it to everybody around you. I'm not going back. I'm going forward. I'm not going to death. I'm going to life. Jesus said, I came that you might have life. Praise God. Everlasting life. Amen. Amen. Now quickly pray that over your children. If you're here with your husband or wife just together, just pray it over your children and say, God, we remove all friends of theirs that are going to lead them to death. Praise the Lord. In 1 Peter 5:8, devour up. Uh, Be on the alert for your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. And these are the, the things in your life that have come into your life, the enemies of your life that are like a very bold, ferocious power that enters your life. It paralyzes you and you have no resistance against it, but it has only one agenda These are the intimidators. These are the people that run you over. These are the bullies of life. These are the things that are very forceful, very loud, very intimidating, and they make you afraid, and you you cower in their presence. And this has happened to you since you were a child in some cases. You gotta get free from that. Christians aren't intimidated by anybody. They're not obnoxious, but they're not intimidated. I preach in front of strangers every week, all weeks, all my life. And I never feel like I'm in a house with strangers because I'm not intimidated. I'm not intimidated by anybody. Why? Because I've done this so long, and I know that what I'm going to say, God is going to touch that in some way, and people are going to get saved, delivered, and set free. I already know it. I've done it so much. That God has proved himself so much that I'm no longer in the position where I wonder what you're going to think of me. I don't care. I don't have time for that. I don't have time to be nervous or intimidated or did I sound crazy? Did I sound so what? 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 doesn't matter. (coughs) But when you are like that, Why would you ever get up and do anything? Why would you ever talk to a stranger? Why would you ever share Jesus? Why would you ever do anything? Because you're so into yourself and it's so about you that you haven't gotten yourself freed yet from that roaring lion that was in your life as a child that that held you back and imprisoned you. Let's put our hands on our chest. Say we disconnect from everything that makes us cringe and makes us afraid and intimidates us and limits us and holds us back. I renounce all those words over my life. I renounce them all. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Come on everybody, say it out loud. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. What is it in your life that is devouring you? eating you away because that's what we have just removed from off your life. Praise God. Say it out loud. That is removed. Say it. I shall not be afraid of the terror that walks in the noonday or the plagues that try to come near my dwelling for I am hidden under the shadow of the Almighty and no evil shall befall me. Come on, say it out loud with your hands up in the air. Say no evil shall befall me. That lion is not going to come and eat my whole family. Say it out loud. That lion that ate my family, ate my parents, ate my grandparents, that lion is not going to eat me. It's not going to devour my family. That horrible thing is not going to come and devour my children, or my grandchildren, or my great-grandchildren. Say it out loud, in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. In Galatians 5, 19-20, it talks about the works of the flesh, and one of them is witchcraft. And this is what I call the witching people. These are the controllers and the manipulators that have entered your life. A controller is a very wicked, wicked person. They will use emotional blackmail. They will use guilt trips to make you do what they want. They will get easily offended so that you're always walking on eggshells and they're gonna lose their temper and fly off the handle and you are terrified around them. You are never comfortable because you never know what they're gonna do or what they're gonna say or where they're gonna say it. And that, my friends, is called witchcraft. And there are five sources that that flows through. The body, violent gestures, they're very intimidating. Language, threats, insinuations. Telling people, I'll do this if you do that. I'm going to divorce you if you ever do that again. I'll do this, I'll do that, I'll do this. All witchcraft. Psychological witchcraft, which is when you play mind games with people. Spiritual witchcraft, when you use the Bible to control people. Think about it. Look at somebody and say, wow, these are not okay, and they should not be in your life. Then you have the whole realm of the occult itself, which is calling demons into a relationship. Only extremely ignorant people would ever play with Satan. You do not play with him. You resist him and you cast him out. So put your hands on your heart. And then there's emotional, emotional uh, witchcraft when you use your emotions to control other people. You're always hurt by everything they do and say. They never, ever can treat you right. This is very, very bad. Put your hands on your heart. Say, I renounce all witchcraft that anybody has ever used on me and I get healed of it right now in Jesus' name. Right now by the blood of Jesus, I cleanse my family tree, my children, my grandchildren, whether I have them yet or not. I cleanse it all ahead of time from all witchcraft and all the different ways that it manifests and I shall not practice it on other people. Nor shall I be controlled or manipulated or coerced in Jesus' name. I am free and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is... Come on, everybody say it. Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is... Praise God. Come on. Come on, this this one takes a little bit because you don't sometimes realize how under somebody you might be because there's personality witchcraft as well. Their personality is their weapon. Praise the Lord. So put your hands up and say, I break the power of every intimidating personality in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to be free. Come on, everybody. Say, I'm going to be free. Oh, thank God Almighty. I'm going to be free. See, if you've been verbally verbally uh, controlled or, or controlled by, by anger and rage in somebody, you've been under the spirit of witchcraft. That's not how you raise children. In Luke 10, verse 30, it says, A man was walking down the road, and he fell among thieves. They wounded him. They stripped him. They beat him. And they left him for dead. This is all the rejections. Abandonment. The stripping. The verbal abusing. Acts of trauma. Being beat. This can be verbal. This can be emotional. This can be psychological. This can be in many things. But it's falling into the hands of thieves. Satan is a thief he comes to steal john 10 10 kill and destroy you are not limited by accident you are limited by abuse and this is your day to get out of those chains right now. This is the day for you to stop saying yes to your chains and yes to your limited life and yes to your potential and just and no to your potential and simply stop and say, that's it, I'm not going to be average. Say it out loud, I'm not going to be average. Say it, I'm not going to be normal. I'm going to do great things. I'm going to be amazing. I'm going to come out of my shell. I'm coming out of my cage. I'm coming out of my prison. I'm coming out. I'm praising my way out. I'm singing my way out. I'm dancing my way out. <coughs> but I'm not staying in that. Praise the Lord. Say it out loud with me. By the blood of Jesus. I stop all thievery in my home. Come on, say it again. I stop all thievery and stealing of my peace, my joy, my unity, and my victory in my house. Say, it, I stop that. Satan, you cannot steal anything from me anymore. Say it out loud. You cannot rob me of who I am. You cannot rob me of my blessings. You cannot steal from me my glyph, my favor. You cannot take away from me my resources and wealth and all the things God has promised to me. And especially you cannot steal my happiness anymore, ever again in the name of Jesus. Come on, tell somebody around you, we're kicking the thief out of your life. Tell them that. We're kicking the thief out of your life. Tell that to a few people. We're kicking the thief out of your life. I have two more and then I'll be done. And I have lied to you again. Praise the Lord. So, Matthew 26, 49 through 50. You know the story. I'll just quote it to you. Judas betrays Jesus, and he comes to Jesus and gives him a kiss on the cheek. And that's how they knew who Jesus was. I'll kiss him on the cheek, Judas. And then Jesus responded to him when he did it. He said, friend, I looked up that word because that's a very curious response to being betrayed. It's not normally what most of us would do. But he said, friend, whatever you're doing, do it fast. And this is the Judas kiss. These are the people that have entered your life who have betrayed you. They have been, it could be family members that stole part of your inheritance from you that your parents wanted you to have. And you are bitter. You are you have regrets about. You don't know what to do. Or they were unfaithful to you at some point. Or maybe your sister ended up marrying your boyfriend. Or maybe even more horrible things than that, which I will not go into. But betrayal will break your spirit if you do not get healed of it. Look everybody, we didn't come to church on a Sunday night, which is not normal, to not get something from God. We came to get something from God. And as long as you carry the memory of being betrayed, which I can tell you one of the most important messages that I have not preached yet that God has been talking to me about in the last couple of weeks is reforgiving. Because honestly, in some cases, one time of forgiving will get you through a couple of months, and then you're gonna remember and you're gonna have to go do it all over again. And I just realized that. Just just some time back, I realized I'm reforgiving. Wow, this is like a real valid thing. Because you think, okay, I forgive once and then it's over. Actually, that's true until you think about it again. And then it's like it happened all over again. And I can tell you in some cases, I have had to re-forgive at least 100 or 200 times. The same thing that happened a long time ago. But I want to guard my peace. And I don't want to get bitter. And I don't want unforgiveness in my life because unforgiveness is unforgivable. Who are the Judases of your life? Because they are a part of Satan's nature. Satan betrayed God and betrayed God's trust in him as the lead archangel of worship, and took with him out of heaven one third of the worshiping angels. That means the entire worship team of heaven, whose job it was to lead worship, to sing all day around the clock, worshiping God and creating songs all the time, is Satan, that Satan himself has instruments in his body. There are five types of instruments and he has all of them. Percussion, wind, string, he's got them all in there. They're all inside of him. He literally can just make up songs all day. So what does he use to evangelize? What is his number one tool? Music. And how does he do it? The music opens the heart and the brain, and then he sows the doctrine. And he gets you to repeat it all day. Praise the Lord. You picked a fine time to leave me, Lucille. (laughs) Praise the Lord. She got the mine and I got the shaft. Do you understand? Yesterday, all my troubles seemed so far away. Now it seems as though they're here to stay. You just cursed yourself. But the melody is so haunting that you can't resist. You gotta put words to it, so you better change the lyrics real quick. Praise God, and other more vile songs than that. Music is Satan's number one tool because it is his identity. Satan is music. Nobody can write songs like him. They were doing an interview in Paul McCartney about that song yesterday. He said, oh, I had it in a dream. I just went to sleep, dreamed about it, got the whole melody and wrote it the next day innocently thinking he just did that. Like he's a genius or something. No. He's just a funnel. Satan gave him the dream, gave him the psalm and gave him the lyrics. And now the whole world sings it. So you may think I'm naïve. Oh, song's not going to hurt anything. Well, just look at the fruit of your life, and then we'll see. Praise the Lord. Look at someone near you and say, all my troubles are leaving my life. Say it, all my troubles are leaving my life. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. I once was lost. But now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. Through many troubles and trials, I, but God has delivered us out of all of them. That's how you write a song, praise the Lord, from a wicked slave owning man that repented and said, I'm never doing that again. And that song has been sung now for over. I don't know, 200 years, maybe more. Never grows old because the words come from heaven and the melody comes from God. Hug somebody next to you and say, I just want to give you my car. Praise the Lord. We end with the last one. We end for the, with the last one. Haven't we had a great day today? Amen. Look at somebody and say, what a great day we've had today. 22 people came up this morning at the altar. And in a moment, many of you are going to receive one of the great gifts, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you're going to be able to have a prayer language and pray in a language that God has given you that is so beautiful. Remember, anything that is of God is beautiful and anything that god wants to give you it is satan's job to demonize it and make you afraid of it but luke 11 says this ask and you receive seek and you will find knock and the door will be open if you ask for an egg will i give you a snake if you ask for bread will i give you a rock If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father give you the Holy Spirit if you ask Him for it? Praise God. Our final one is found in Revelation 12, 9 and 11. I saw the dragon cast down from heaven, the accuser of the brethren, who stands and accuses the brethren day and night for they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony. And because they did not love their lives, even to the death, praise the Lord that deserves a praise break. Come on everybody. Just praise him. Thank you Lord for helping me. I I hope you got into your own world there because I, I know it's like a long time. This is a very powerful thing. A dragon, Psalm 91:13, you shall tread upon the serpent, the adder, and the dragon. A dragon actually doesn't exist, so it is the most powerful part of Satan, because this is the power of your unredeemed imagination. Satan's power is to put things in your mind. The dragon is those thoughts that come and breathe on your head, and they create so much fear and anxiety and stress, and they're not even real. How many times have you thought something was gonna happen and find out that it would have never happened, could have never happened, wasn't even going to happen, yet you wasted day after day after day and you lost sleep over it. Something that never was, that's the dragon. It is his job to sow seeds in your mind. Read. John 13, verse two and three. It says Satan having already put in Judas's heart to betray Jesus. It's Satan that tells people to murder people. It's Satan that tells people to harm women and harm children. It's Satan that tells you to get divorced. Because you don't have a good marriage, it's Satan that tells you to kill a person, unless you're defending your family, kill him. But under normal circumstances, you don't just go out hunting people, unless they're running from the law and you're there to help. Them. Praise God. But do you understand what I'm saying? We are not murderers at heart. We would never murder a person without it being the last possible option. But Satan, the Bible says, was a murderer from the beginning. And he puts thoughts in your mind to hurt that person, to do that to that person, to live like that, to act that way. And I wanna cleanse the dragons from our mind. Praise the Lord put your hands right here and say in Jesus' name I cleanse every breath of Satan that has come into my mind every crazy idea I've ever had every lying thought I ever had about myself everything I ever believed about somebody in my family everything that's anti-faith anti-love anti-joy anti-righteousness anti-holiness anti-bible anti-Jesus I sh- silence it and reject it out of my mind and accept the mind of Christ because the mindset on the spirit is life and peace now wave your hand at a few people and say you're going to have life and peace in that mind of yours praise the Lord I lied to you again, I have one last thing. So 2 Corinthians 11:14. be on the alert because Satan, the devil, can manifest himself as an angel of light. And this is what I call church hurts. This is when the people that hurt you are saved and in church. And they are like, they are dressed as angels of light. But they really are doing Satan's bidding. Put your hands on your heart and say, I receive healing for anything any Christian has ever done to me or any church. I will no longer punish the church by staying out of church. I will no longer judge God and Jesus by his adopted children i will judge him by jesus hallelujah thank god almighty now say it out loud oh god pour in the oil and the wine and restore my soul and restore unto me the joy of my salvation praise god come on everybody give the lord a hand pastor robert thank you god bless you praise the lord
1: jesus wow so we're all like like free tonight all like lost weight not carrying around the burdens amen not listening to the lying devil man it's worth it right can i want to encourage you you know this is this is recorded and you may need to listen to this thing a hundred times don't go back to being in bondage amen you're free now get down to where you just get so sharp every time the devil comes up and whispers to you it's not a dragon you know what it is you know exactly what it Yo, you're lying you liar man you just catch it catch it catch it and it's boom then you can stay free amen because i don't know about you but that's where i want to live in freedom Praise God. Well, ushers help me, and I don't want to give you an opportunity to give another offering tonight uh, to bless Brother Ivan and the ministry, and bless orphans. Praise God. Awesome word. Awesome, awesome, awesome word. Praise the Lord. We'll put your hand on your offering, Father. I just declare right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for Brother Ivan for always bringing him into our lives and just putting this divine connection together. I ask you, Lord God, to just bless this offering, bless those that are giving, bless the ones that they were giving today and sowing in there, Lord God, new believers, new people coming in and making new connections. Lord, I just declare we're going to just be the greatest blessings we can be on the face of this earth in Jesus' mighty name, amen. So, praise the Lord.
0: There you go. Oh, folks, I forgot something, and I want to do it. I have to do it. I have to pray for you to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Praise God. I almost forgot that. I, I promised you I'd do it, and I'm going to do it. It won't take very long. How many of you sitting out there right now say, I need the help of the Holy Spirit? How many of you would say, I need the help? of the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. In my walk with God since I was 17 till today, I can say to you that without the Holy Spirit, I believe I would have walked away many, many times. Let's say several thousand. But because of the Holy Spirit, because I was able to sedze, pray in the Holy Spirit. Because notice that when I pray in the Holy Spirit, my eyes don't roll back in my head and I don't fall on the floor writhing. Because that's Satan's demonizing of a beautiful gift that you need in your life. Why do you need it? Romans 8 26, he that prays in the Holy Spirit, it is not him praying. It is God praying for you. So God makes the prayer, sends it to himself, answers himself, and gives you the blessing. Praise the Lord. If you are not baptized in the Holy Spirit with a gift of a prayer language, which is different than the gift of tongues, which is many languages. That's a different one. Not everybody has that. But everyone needs a prayer language because you don't know what to pray for most of the time. And that's what it's for. Plus, it says, when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, Acts 1-8, power comes on you. The fire of God comes on you, and you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, which means you're baptized in love, joy, peace, wisdom, discipline, understanding, faith, hope, and all the beauties of God. Praise the Lord. So here's what we're going to do. Would you close your eyes with me for a second? Three kinds of people that I'm going to ask to to receive that one. If you have never received a prayer language, that's me praying prayer language. That's the Holy Spirit. Nothing weird happens. I've had this since I was 17 years old and I've never gone crazy. All it's done is bring peace to me and joy. So if you've never received this and have no prayer language, would you simply raise your hand right where you're at and let me see your hands, okay, okay, okay. So there's lots of you. And would you all just stand right there where you're at? This is the first group. The second group then is those of you that did receive this, but you only got a couple of words. You didn't get a river like John 7:37 says, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. You only got maybe two words. We want to release your tongue so that the whole river comes out. Would you raise your hand if that's you? Okay. Okay. Would you all stand as well? And then the third group is those of you that have a prayer language, but you've never really used it. You don't use it every day. You don't ever hardly pray. Because you really, you don't know how. Even though you have that, you don't know how. And you need a fresh anointing on your prayer language. If that's you, would you stand? And then I'm going to lead you all in this prayer. And you're going to get baptized in the Holy Spirit right there where you're at. Okay? And I'm going to show you everything about it. One. It's a gift, so you don't have to earn it. You don't have to be worthy. But to make you worthy, let's all lift our hands and say, Dear Jesus, I repent for all my sins. Please cleanse me and wash me from all my sins in the precious blood of Jesus. Now, put your hands down. Your sins have been forgiven. Okay? So now you don't have a problem with that secondly, and this is very important, when you invite the Holy Spirit to come upon you, this is how you do it. You lift your hands and you praise God. Psalm 22, God inherits the praises of his people. Praise you, God. Glory to your name. Thank you, Jesus. I love you. I bless you. That brings down the presence of God upon you. So let's practice that. Lift your hands up look up to heaven and in a good loud voice, tell God everything good about him that you think everybody do it, including those of you that are sitting down. Let's just praise God praise you, God. I love you. I praise you. I magnify your name. Thank you for saving my soul. Glory to you, Jesus. Thank you for everything you've done in my life. Thank you for all the miracles. Thank you for all the breakthroughs. All my praise goes to you. All my joy goes to you, God. And every wonderful thing is going to you in Jesus' name. Praise God. Okay. Now you have done the main thing. The last thing then after you do that, we're going to do that in a minute, but after you do that, just as a jumping-off point, because anything God does requires a step of faith. God will not make you go, He will not make you do that. You'll have to open your mouth and begin. God will take over. It's called a step of faith. It's stepping off the cliff, trusting that God will catch you. That's called faith. It requires no faith to stand there then God grab you and make you say things. He won't violate your free will. Praise the Lord. He can't. But this is a very important gift. I would say that it is one of the top three things that can happen in your life. Because this is how I found it to be. It has comforted me thousands of times in the middle of the night through all the warfares that Satan will send his, the people that are serving God. It has just lifted everything. And it will do that for you. Praise the Lord. I'm going to ask... Uh, I'm going to ask something of you Tonight, and that is that you be sincere because that is the secret. Sincerely say, God, I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Would you say that out loud? Say, Lord, I want to pray in a beautiful language and worship you. I want to be all yours and I want you to be all mine. Praise the Lord. I'm going to ask Laura. To actually sing a song while we're doing this in a minute, whatever song you decide. But when she starts singing, I want all of you sitting down to just begin singing with her. Those of you that are standing, all the singing's going on, so you'll be free, you won't be self-conscious, you'll just and just let it flow, let it flow. You don't need this to be saved. But you need this to live like you're saved. That's my personal experience. This gives you power in your inner man. Are you ready? Let's lift our hands and everybody in your own language and English, tell God how amazing he is. And then I'll count to three and we'll just start flowing. Everybody begin now and praise him. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Tell God how much you love him. Exalt his name. Magnify his name. Tell him how amazing he is and bless his name. Father, fill all the people. Fill everybody with the Holy Spirit and fire, God. Baptize this people right now in the joy of the Lord and the spirit of power. When I count to three, Lord, let them jump off and begin. Just begin and let the Holy Spirit take over. Get ready. One, two, three. Just let it out now. Everybody start praying in the Holy Ghost. Sing it out, Laura. And while Laura's singing, just let it out. Remember, you're talking to God. So talk to God. Look at God and talk to Him. Reda, this is the language of the heart. Mehele kur vadada, Shemelel murul ferikta yo mendiristi bel toto shambera ukudari kumtrocho borti karazeta mehelia hortu kondush taze mehuale don dera let it out like a river beboa neze de dutala. Be filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Fill the people, Lord, with your Holy Spirit, God.
1: Change their lives as they're praying
0: in the Holy Ghost right now. Whatever you do, don't stop talking. Don't stop moving that that tongue and letting those words come out. Don't listen to anything negative. You can't understand it because it's a miracle. It comes from the heart, not from the brain. Thank you, Lord. Fill all the people. Thank you, Jesus. Now, let's all sing the song together. Come on, everybody. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Fill all the people tonight with the Holy Spirit. Bless them. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise the Lord. I want you to look around at somebody and say, I've got the Holy Ghost. Say it to somebody next to you. I've got the Holy Ghost. And nobody's going to steal that from me. Say that. Nobody's going to steal that from me. When you pray in the Holy Spirit, especially when you get home and when you're driving, when you do that, you'll find that language day by day becomes more pure. It becomes more easy. It starts flowing and it becomes like an open window where the rain starts falling down and the, usher, the ushering of the presence of God comes into your home. I have felt many times the literal, tangible presence of God literally be ushered, right? Into the room. Praise God. Everybody give the Lord a hand and say, Thank you, Jesus. What a Sunday we have had. Woo! Praise you, Jesus. You may be seated. Look at somebody and say, Man, I'm sure glad I came to church tonight. Even though I had a lion preacher that took me all the way to nine o'clock or whatever it is. Praise the Lord. Robert, that's yours. Praise God.
1: Well, thank you, Jesus. Okay, so I want to encourage you about something. Because I'd been praying about starting to preach about the Holy Spirit. And, and uh, so there, we're going to give you, a, we're going to help you all out. I'm so glad y'all are hungry. I'm so glad y'all aren't crazy. I'm so glad you guys are hungry for the things of God. Amen. Look at the person beside you and say, where'd it go? Amen. And so we're going to, we're going to do all this, take care but Listen, I encourage you, go home tonight. The Bible says that there is nothing that you ask that you did not receive. Hello? Now you got to understand how to operate and walk with this new life of the Holy Spirit talking to you. The greatest things in my life have all taken about have all come about because of my relationship with understanding the Holy Spirit. And uh, you know, I, 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 I'm miracles, things. It, it's not always burning bushes. It's just, it's just a life of living with the Holy Spirit, a life of praying in tongues. I, you know, I mean, I, I, honestly, I've seen mean Pentecostals. I've seen people pray in tongues and then be the dragon spirit. Amen? Yeah. Just because you got the Holy Ghost doesn't mean that everything, we're still going on working with the other guy, but it's the Holy Spirit that takes you through everything, gets you through every step, shows you things, helps you. Now, even like the message that I've Ivan preached tonight, you get all those points down, it's the Holy Spirit that'll say, that's a dragon or somebody comes up to you and you say, Liar! <laughs> wow. It's the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Amen. Amen? So, praise God. Everybody say, I'm full of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost. and ready to go home. Amen. Amen. We'll stand up. Father, I just declare these are the most blessed people on the face of the earth. Lord, I declare they are free from the chains and the yokes of the enemy. I declare the devil that's lied to them, he's no longer going to lie. I declare there's miraculous changes, Lord. There's like resurrection changes in people today, Lord. I believe it. I know it. I declare, Lord God, that you are moving mightily in their lives. So bless them now. Bless this week, Lord God, and bring us back together again in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you, church.